mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Com and definitely check out those shows as well. Saeed Masood is the author of The Bad Muslim Discount, a novel. He grew up in Karachi, Pakistan. A first-generation immigrant twice over, he has been a citizen of three different countries and nine different cities. 
He currently lives in Sacramento, California, where he is a practicing attorney. Welcome, Syed. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Fad Muslim Discount and everything else about your life. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, so heads up to readers, you will encounter a very interesting opening with lots of blood spurting everywhere and animal sacrifice and who knows what you're getting into. Tell us, and actually, well, I'll tell you that later. Tell listeners what your book is about and what inspired it for you. Sure. The Bad Muslim Discount, a story about two different young people. It starts when they're very young, when they're kids, and goes into their 30s. And their journeys from various parts of the Muslim world to the United States, uh, basically the process of becoming American. And uh, it charts two very different journeys because I wanted to show the different ways that people come here and the different lives that people do live, even if sometimes they're sort of treated as a monolith. And, you know, the book is really about the idea of belonging. You know, it's it's the idea of uh, the question of what happens when you feel like you belong to a country that doesn't want you, or at least some elements in the country don't want you. What happens if you belong to a religion that doesn't want you, or there are people in the religion who don't want you? What happens if you belong to a family that doesn't want you? And so that really was the driving question behind the book. Um, So, yeah. Interesting. Which pieces of that, where do you not feel like you belonged? Which pieces resonated for you? Well, it, it, it started, quite frankly, with the with the 2016 election, not to get political, but there was this question about, you know, who's American, who's American enough? And, you know, a lot of questions were raised about Muslims and and the uh, can Muslims be patriotic? And all these questions were being raised. And I had never sort of considered the fact that you couldn't be American. In fact, one of the one of the stranger things about our world is wherever you are, you're a little bit American because America is so Americana is so pervasive mm-hmm. that I've always felt that it's it's sort of spread all over the world. And we've culturally, I don't want to use this word, but we've culturally colonized parts of the world, you know. And, and so because of that, there's a part of everyone that recognizes certain things like McDonald's or Coke or Star Wars or what have you, you know, they're everywhere. And so it was very strange to me to be suddenly faced with this question of, hey, are you American mm-hmm. uh, because of your religion? And so the book was in part a response to that, sort of I, just exploring the idea for myself, because at that point I had no illusions that I'd be published, but, you know, <laughs> that happened. <laughs> did Well, how did you end up writing? So was it really a surprise that the book was picked up? Wait, tell me about the journey of, of that. Sure. Well, I've I've wanted to be an author since I was a kid, but I never, I mean, it's, the industry from the outside is so sort of uh, obscure, right? I mean, it's really hard to see and figure out what things are. And it seems like a pipe dream, you know? And sometimes people think about authors like, now that I have author friends, it's like, okay, just they're just people. But um, it, it almost seems like an impossibility. Mm-hmm. Well, at least it did to me. And so I never really thought I'd actually be publishing it. Uh, my wife was the one who was very encouraging. And so I was like, she, she's like, you're really good. You should you should write. And the thing was, the reason her opinion held, held some uh, more weight than usual was because our courtship was almost entirely by emails um, because we had an arranged marriage and we didn't get to meet and talk more than four or five times. So we just exchanged these long emails. There's probably a novel in there somewhere. Um, and so we just saw these long letters we wrote to each other. And I was like, well, she's seen enough of my writing to know if I'm good or not. And so uh, she really pushed me to write it. And then once the book was done, 
it just so happened to get finished like two days before a contest, which is no longer online, but there was a contest called Pitch Wars, which was happening. And I was like, you know what? I haven't even edited this yet. It hasn't been proofread, but I'm going to get rejected anyway, so I might as well just submit it, you know? And so I did, and the rest is history. No, wait, finish the rest. This is amazing. (laughs) Well, I got picked up by by these two amazing mentors. And then uh, my, what happens with Pitch Wars is, or what used to happen with Pitch Wars, was uh, you would get these mentors that would work with you for about six months, helping you refine, you know, your book. And then were they was, were oh, they editors or agents or who were they? No, just other writers. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so basically, what happens is they, they guide you through the process, and then there's an agent showcase. So all these manuscripts, I think about, you know, I don't know how many there are. I want to say there were at least 60, 70. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. I have I no idea how many. We're not quoting. Nobody listened to that. <laughs> Nobody's listening. Um, no, but seriously, um, I don't remember exactly how many there were, but there were a lot. All these authors have the benefit of the experience of people who've done it before. And they take you through the journey. And at the end, the there's a pitch. And the pitch is part of a showcase for agents to come and say, hey, I like your pitch. Can you send me the, the book? And so I ended up getting a couple of people interested. They read it. And then I got an agent. And then we went on sub. And there was lots of rejection. I ended up. <laughs> And I ended up writing, I ended up writing my YA novel, More Than Just a Pretty Face. That sold first. That became my debut. But I had written Bad Muslim before. And, you know, uh, so it was my first novel. And it was, uh, it was quite an experience, but I had not expected it to get published. And it just, it just so happened that it it worked. So here we are. Wait, so Let's go back to the arranged marriage for a second. Sure. So what happened when you met, like, how did that work? So you became good friends, basically, with your wife over in this epistolary way. And then is everything good? Like, Everything's great. (laughs) Everything's great. We have have, uh, two kids. It's been 10 years now, I think. Um, That's so great. Yeah, it's just, it's just a different, I mean, you know, it's, it's a different way of doing things. You can still say no, you just you don't get unchaperoned meetings. So you get to meet them and the entire family is there. So it's like a very chaperoned date and it's mm-hmm. it's a little weird, but you sort of do it often enough that you get used to it, I guess, as much as anyone can get, get used to something like that. It's always an awkward encounter, but you know, you meet a couple of times and then you either call or text. We were more literary, so we wrote to each other. It was almost Victorian in that way, I guess. But, um, you know... <laughs> We went to this, um, and yeah, we were, um, I think we knew each other for about six, seven months before we got engaged. And then, yeah, it's been, that was a long time ago. But wow. um, oh, I love but that. Yeah, it's a different way of doing things. You know, it's just, it's like, it's like a dating app, except it's run by your mom. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, instead of algorithms, we have aunties in the community who are running it. But that's that's all it is. I, I think my mom would probably do a good job running a dating app. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's one of those things where when you're young, it's very fright, frightening because you feel like you're, you feel like almost no one understands you when you're young, mm-hmm. but especially your parents, you know. Yeah. And I think as we grow older, we come to value their wisdom and and and, and uh, perspective more. So I think now I sort of see the benefits of it. There were times in my life when I was much younger where I was I was terrified. So, but it worked out. So no complaints. <laughs> and what kind of work were you doing before you were writing? I was an attorney. 
you were an attorney. Yeah, I did workers' compensation insurance defense, which is as boring as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Do you still do that at all? No. I got laid off uh, yeah, uh, last Friday. Um, oh no! I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, so, well, you know uh, what? Maybe it's a blessing. Now you can write more. Yeah. You know, you can start your own dating app. Maybe you should. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's in my future. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully, I can focus on the writing. I mean, you know, honestly, it got to be, it got to be a lot because. There were times, especially when I was working on Bad Muslim and Pretty Face at the same time, you know, what the edits for one would finish and the next one was due. It just got very intense. There were times for about a, about six to eight months, I was sleeping like three hours a day. Oh my I mean, gosh. you know, I gained like 40 pounds. I mean, the whole thing was just, it was, it was a whole thing. <laughs> so I made it through that. I think maybe it's time to focus more on the writing or pick up a job that's less demanding because, you know, billable hours and attorneys, it's, uh, there's, it's famous for a reason. So maybe you could just write a whole book about lack of sleep and weight gain. <laughs> because, you know, I feel like people don't totally haven't been bashed over the head with that enough. You know, I mean, I, I feel like um it's not that you can solve that problem so easily, but you know, maybe it would make people feel better that that's what was happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's not my uh, fault it, that I had all those cookies yesterday. It was the sleep. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, honestly, it becomes it becomes about consuming lots of coffee and consuming lots of carbs just to stay awake. You know, yeah, I have mine here. Um, in fact, uh, you know, when uh, Bad Muslim came out, my wife did a. Uh, she insisted on doing this because I would have like six months of coffee on my desk. So she lined them up next to the book and she took a picture for Instagram because. That's what it was. It was just coffee. And people were like, when do you find the time to do this? I'm like, well, <laughs> you got to make time somewhere. You know, you have your kids, you have work. And then the only place left was sleep. Much to the chagrin of my, my one of my best, best friends, he's a, he's a physician. He, just, he lost his mind. He was like, what are you doing? But it was, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity that, like we talked about, I didn't think I would ever get. So I still believe you can catch up. Like once a month, I sleep a lot. And I feel like that offsets the lack of sleep the rest of the time. Like I've- yeah, they call it a they call it a sleep debt. So oh. I, I, yeah, that's what it's, I, I've read some books about it because my friend made me. <laughs> and so it's actually really interesting. The, the sort of the psychology of sleep and some of the sleep neuroses are really interesting too. So anyway, if you're ever interested, I am in- interested actually. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, interesting. Okay. Well, we'll see if my if my theory holds up. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.
If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So what books are you working on now? Oh, right now I'm kicking around some ideas. They're really in the infancy stages. My problem usually is finding the voice of the character. So... I will keep revising the concept. I'm less interested in the concept usually than the character. And then the main thing is finding the voice of the character and then making the character likable enough that people will want to stick with them for, you know, 300 pages. So right now I'm 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 trying to figure this character out and I'm I'm not there yet. <laughs> So I've been pitching to my agents. I've been pitching to my editors. So we'll we'll sort of see how it goes. But I, I throw a lot of stuff away. I do a lot of writing that doesn't see the light of day. So if Bad Muslim was, what, 350 pages? There is 300 pages that never saw the light of day. Yes, um, that was and, really bad, Muslim. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really bad. And, you know, Sadia Faroki, who does, who's wonderful, she does children's books. You know, she says it's a very inefficient way of writing, and she's absolutely right. But it's the only thing that works for me. And so until I figure the voice out, I will keep writing the opening scene, and I'll keep redoing it. So it's a, uh, right now I'm working on this guy who's supposed to be a screenwriter, and I can't get his voice quite right. So now I'm like, okay, is he really a screenwriter? If he's a screenwriter, how successful is he? You know, just tinkering with the story to make the voice work, and then we'll figure out the concept from there. I mean, I think... It- the intersection of efficiency and creativity is is not exactly i mean it's like an inverse relationship you cannot be efficiently creative right part of it is always excess words and or writing too much and winnowing it down i mean everybody essentially i think it's a rare author who will write down the exact words that get used i mean you have to kind of throw stuff down and winnow it away like a sculptor a little bit, whether it's at the beginning or the middle or the end or all along. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to just put down the perfect things. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I do envy people, though, who use outlines, for example. Hmm. You know, you know, people were, there was a thing uh, a while back where on Instagram or something, not that I'm on social media a lot, but someone was posting their, out, people were posting their outlines. And I was like, I should post a picture of a blank page because that's what I use. You know, I just don't. And what that allows me to do is have characters like Ashur Bhatti, who's a landlord and bad Muslim. You know, he was supposed to be a minor character with no real voice or real role. He was just there for comic relief for one scene, you know. And then because I had no outline and no idea what was going to happen, you know, he sort of took over and became a pretty significant character in the book. I'm not sure if that would have happened if I had an outline. Mm-hmm. I also find like if I have an outline, it's sort of, I've told the story to myself and I'm less yeah. interested in it. Yeah. But there are people who are very disciplined about, this is my outline. This mm-hmm. is the rising action. This is the climax. And so I'm going to build around that. Yeah. I envy that because I think that is, that must be pretty great to know where you're going before you, <laughs> before you start. Yeah. I'm with you though. I mean, I feel like if I figure everything out ahead of time that I'm just like putting words down, like part of the writing is the fun of discovery. I actually just interviewed a woman earlier today. She wrote a a novel called The Caretakers, which was really, really good. But it's from all these different points of view. And I was telling her about my favorite point of view. And she was like, oh, I almost didn't even include that person. 
you know, and then she became this huge, that was the last character she added. But if she had stuck to it, you know, and then this became a huge character, right? The one she put in last. So you just never know. I mean. Yeah. I mean, Bad Muslim was written from one point of view. And then Mm -hmm. later I added in the other point of view. It was written where about page 175 is now. That was page one. Oh, wow. That's interesting. (laughs) It was it was rewritten multiple times. Yeah, th- th- it was one of those books that, you know, I really wanted to make happen. Mm-hmm. And so I worked really hard on it. And it was one of those where we went for sub and then uh, we got what's called an R&R for people who are in the industry. It's, you know, revise and resubmit and all that kind of stuff. And what they wanted to do was... They were I like, am kind of in the industry and I don't even know. I've never heard that before. So, okay, oh, R&R. No, now but, I know. <laughs> um, and so what the idea was, hey, you know, you need a bigger canvas. They said, you're you're telling a big story. You want a bigger canvas. So go back further. Mm-hmm. And so I remember it was like these three months where I sort of went radio silent and I was just writing. And then eventually I got an email from my agent saying, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm working on this thing. And she's like, can I see it, please? <laughs> I was like, okay. And then she wrote back and she's like, oh, this is good. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Um, so uh, it was, it was, this was a difficult novel because it was written in like, it was written and rewritten and then rewritten. And then once it was done, I was very proud of it. So that's great. Actually, what I referenced in the very beginning, or what I said I was going to talk about later, a friend of a friend's husband had like a very similar scene to the opening scene in your book, with, <laughs> okay. uh, except he was trapped in a garage in oh, New no. Jersey. Yeah, his dad put him in there and was like, you have to do this. Oh, wow. With, yeah. That's intense. That's I intense. know. I know. <laughs> and it's forever changed the way I think of this person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, he couldn't do it. He didn't do it. Yeah. When I was in college, my dad... Uh, so just for the anyone who's listening... I know. I was like, should I give this away? I mean, it's, you know... I mean, it's the first scene, so... It's I know. Not, I know, but you never know. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> But what we're talking about is uh, there's an animal sacrifice that happens on the the Eid that happens after Hajj for Muslims. And the idea is to commemorate uh, the sacrifice or the the almost sacrifice of Abraham, of his eldest son. And so Muslims sacrifice goats or cows or sometimes camels, you know, and the meat is given away often to the needy. And it sort of is just it's a festival of sacrifice is literally the translation. And so when I was in college... I had done this before when I was young as a kid, but then like decades passed because we moved here and it's, you know, you can't just go get a goat and, you know, sacrifice it here. It's not how this works. Um, So um, my father decided uh, when I was in college that we would go to a farm and in this farm, we would be, I really shouldn't be telling the story for public. But anyway, (laughs) there it is. It's all right. Um, It's a little embarrassing, but anyway, my father decides that we're going to go to this farm and we're going to, sacrifice this goat and I will be the one to do it. And I was like, okay, well, I've done it before so I can do it again, even though it was a decade ago. So I go up there and I realize I really don't want to do this, you know, at this point in my life, but there's the goat and they're bringing the goat over and they have the goat down and the knife's in my hand. And I'm like, okay, okay, just close your eyes, just close your eyes and just do it. It'll be over. So I close my eyes and I reach with a knife and I, 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 I think I'm done. And I open my eyes and the goat's just staring at me. And, and I'm staring at the goat and the goat's still alive and everything's fine. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, I held, I was holding the knife backwards. So the, the blade wasn't touching, the, the, the actual sharp part wasn't touching the goat. And the farmer got really annoyed with me. He yanked this knife from me and just did it himself. And 
the rest of the way home, it was like 50 minutes from my house. And the rest of the way home, like my dad was giving me this lecture. It was like, I was the downfall of the Muslim civilization because I couldn't like kill this goat. It was a whole thing. So anyway. (laughs) Well, but what you put in the book, I found very interesting, which it's not just the sacrifice of the animal. It's what you sacrifice yourself by learning what it's like to hurt the animal and that it's supposed to teach you to value life and not take anybody else's life for granted. Granted, it's a very extreme way of teaching this, but, um, <laughs> I, but now I under, you know, I understand like the rationale at least of, of, of the teaching. Yeah. It, it, it connects you to, I mean, whenever I eat meat, like it, 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 there's this part of me that knows where it came from, mm-hmm. right? There's a disconnect. I feel like, especially with modern people, where we go to the grocery store and it's packaged for you and you're just cooking it. Like there's this disconnect between where the food came from and your consumption of it. And it's sort of this, it forms this link, which I do appreciate having that link is just, I was in college and I wasn't there mentally. I was just told the day of that you're going to do this. I remember this one time, this is in Pakistan when I was a kid, they were, they were going to sacrifice a cow and the cow got loose and started running through the streets and like all these people with like knives were like chasing this cow. And I'm like, see, this is the kind of stuff that ends up on CNN. All right. <laughs> uh, this is what makes us look bad. So and, and one of the lines in the beginning of the book is Islam has a marketing problem. And you know, that's sort of where it comes from. This, this idea that really strange things happen on that particular holiday, but it is obviously a very serious and solemn thing. And there are, like you said, important lessons to be learned that I have found valuable in my life, but it's also, it's very, it's a difficult thing. And it's supposed to be a difficult thing. Very interesting. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I appreciate this fun discussion. And I will be looking for a new app from you sometime soon or um, some sort of treatise on sleep. So uh, (laughs) thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.